Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter, and you will hear Father Joe Hudson preach from Acts 16, Revelation 22, and John 17. As you listen, see if you can answer these questions. The questions? 1. What are the meanings of the word memorial? 2. What does the ascension of Jesus tell us about hope over tragedy? And 3. What can we do to make the reign of God happen on earth? Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus prayed for his disciples and then said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the word may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. God, may we all be about the work of your kingdom, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, there's some pretty nice red, white, and blue out there today. (laughs) In the Hebrew scriptures, the nation Israel twice set up a pile of stones as a memorial, as a way to remind them of something significant God had done in that place. Referring to these stones, the book of Joshua tells us, so these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. Memorials remind us of something significant in life. Tomorrow, we remember another memorial. We call it Memorial Memorial Day. On that day, we honor those who have died serving our country in the armed forces. They died in combat. They also are remembering those who have died as a result of combat-related trauma. For some families, there is often sadness and grief that is associated with what we sometimes think of as picnics and fun time outside. Yesterday, I sat with two other ministers on the platform at Patriot Plaza in Sarasota. 
the three of us sat behind uh, Gold Star families, parents who had lost their sons in combat. Later in the service, each of us stood to read the names of 74 service members who had died. Memorial Day. Today, as individuals and as a nation, there is another memorial, sadly, that weighs heavily on our minds and hearts. Another set of stones, if you will, piled up one on top of another, just like those stones the Israelite nation of old piled up on the ground. But these stones are not left in the dirt. They are left on our hearts and minds, one piled up on top of another, left there as a memorial, each stone a memorial bearing a name, Columbine, Newtown, Orlando, Las Vegas, Parkland, Sandy Hook, El Paso, Boulder, Buffalo, and on and on, name upon name, a list engraved on our hearts and minds. Each stone representing a place, each stone bearing the names of lives lost in an ever-growing bloody memorial. Tragically, the most recent stone was placed on this pile just last week. It bore the name Uvalde, Texas. Poet Amanda Gorman wrote this poem thinking of that tragedy. She titled it, Hymn for the Hurting. Everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange, minds made muddied and mute. We carry tragedy, terrifying and true, and yet none of it is new. We knew it as home, as horror, as heritage, Even our children cannot be children, cannot be. Everything hurts. It's a hard time to be alive and even harder to stay that way. We're burdened to live out these days while at the same time blessed to outlive them. Let's pause for a brief moment of silence to honor Uh, those innocent lives written on that memorial stone five days ago. Amen. So what do we make of these tragic memorials and of the struggle and suffering of so many in our world. How does this speak to us as followers in the way of Jesus Christ? Is there anything we can learn from Jesus' life and words that may speak to these situations? As I attempt to share some thoughts, let me use one final memorial from Scripture as a jumping-off point. Last Thursday was Ascension Day in the Christian calendar. On that day, we remember Jesus' ascension. The gospel reading for Ascension Day tells us this. Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So how does this pivotal point in history and its surrounding events speak to you and me in this place, in this country today? 
Well, the first thing we learn is that none of us can avoid struggle, hardship, and suffering. None of us. Even Jesus, the Son of God, the living Word of God, could not avoid it. He was frequently the recipient of verbal abuse and character assassination. The course of his life led eventually to beatings and a painful death. Secondly, as we read about the horrors many people experience in this life, we can find some degree of hope in knowing that tragedy does not have the final word. The disciples experienced events in their lives with Jesus that went on a roller coaster from bad to worse to downright hopeless and then to incredibly wonderful only to have things turn bad once again. You see, Jesus and his disciples had been under a lot of pressure from the Jewish religious community and things got worse when Jesus was eventually arrested only to endure the sham of a court trial and then sentencing and crucifixion. But even in the darkness, the light of hope was not snuffed out. It shone brilliantly three days later when Jesus rose from the dead. For 40 glorious days, the disciples enjoyed the presence of their resurrected Lord. But then Jesus disappeared, abandoning them. At least that's how they saw things. Thankfully, that wasn't quite God's perspective. In the Ascension Gospel reading, Jesus says, And see, I am sending you what my Father promised. So stay here in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Amid the seeming darkness and fear that they were in, Jesus promised his disciples hope and victory. Now let me return to Israel's memorial stones stacked there next to the Jordan River. I have mentioned this morning the tragedies in our day that are piled one on top of another as memorial stones. They reveal the brokenness of humanity. People are struggling all over our country as well and in our local communities. So what can we do to see that God's reign of love and forgiveness and justice and hope comes to this world as it is in heaven? Do we just comfort ourselves with the knowledge that, well, one day things will be better when we enter into God's full presence? Do we simply hold on to hope for ourselves? Is there anything more we can do than offer our thoughts and prayers as important as those are? Is there any action we can take to see the fulfillment of the words of the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thankfully, as children of God, we are feeding and clothing the hungry and needy. But we can also do more to shine out the light of God from this church to the world that is around us. Unfortunately, when we begin to do this, some people may label us as being too political. Well, the Apostle Paul struggled with the same issue in his day. We see it in the reading this morning from Acts of the Apostles. Their society was propped up in part by the lucrative business of divination. One of the local fortune tellers was making a lot of money for her employers. 
Well, instead of ignoring this hornet's nest issue, Paul commanded the spirit to leave this woman. As a result, Paul was arrested and dragged before the authorities with the charge, these men are disturbing the city. I wonder if the same could be said of God's children in Venice, Florida today. Paul took a stand in his day. We as followers of Jesus Christ are called as well to take a stand, but we do not act based on any political agenda. We act based on the life and words of Jesus Christ, who has called us to care for the outcast and marginalized, to cry out for justice. There is much more we can do to confront the injustices and evils around us than feeding and clothing the needy and the hungry, as important as those actions are. We can write letters. We can vote for political representatives who are willing to unblock log jams and move forward with common sense legislation in order to protect innocent lives. Recently, in a gathering of local clergy, we discussed how in the state of Florida, potential concern for the mental and emotional well-being of some of our children has been placed over and above concern for all of our children and for others who are frequently marginalized and rejected. A statement is in the process of being drafted for the local news outlets to address this concern. Again, from Jesus' way of love and inclusion and care for all. Many businesses in our community and their employees are struggling as well due to staffing shortages. How many times have you walked into a restaurant to find at least half the seating closed off? Well, this morning I again spoke to someone at a local speedway. They are right now losing one more employee that they can't afford to lose. They are struggling to keep things running with a manager, an assistant manager, and one other employee who manages the cooking and all that stuff behind the deli counter and such. They can't keep the staff when their employees can go across the street and make $15 an hour, $4 more than what they provide. So what do you do when you see a corporate structure put profit margin before the well-being of their employees. Maybe you write letters. Maybe you make a phone call. Now, some of you may say that's not what the church is supposed to be about. We are here to meet and to worship God and to invite people in so that they can see the love of God here and find forgiveness and mercy and grace. And amen and yes, and that's what we're about. But we're also about God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We need to also remember that Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers. Paul took away a lucrative business. There is a place to speak more forcefully against injustice. On this Memorial Day weekend, may we commit ourselves to listen to the cries of the suffering that are around us, And may we listen to the voice of God leading us where God speaks to us that we need to take a stand. 
L.R. Nost, author, wrote this. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break, and all things can be mended. Not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. Amen. Questions? One. What are the meanings of the word memorial? Two. What does the ascension of Jesus tell us about hope over tragedy? And three. What can we do to make the reign of God happen on earth? Mm-hmm.